Yes. Father, we worship you today, God. We lift up your holy name. God, we're thankful for everything that you've done for us, Lord. For without you, we would have nothing. We would be nothing. God, we're so thankful for you this morning, God. We worship you today in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's collective people said amen. 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 So glad that you're with us today online. Faith and Victory Church. We got the skeleton crew down here making it happen. If you missed the uh, parking lot service, we are continuing to do that. So we'd love to have you come down to our parking lot service. It's a it's a great time. I tell you, it's different. The contrast of going from preaching outside with people and then preaching inside with nobody is not easy. I just want to encourage you if you're if you're watching, man, um, you know. Throw us a like, throw us a comment. Let us know that you're there because we feel so alone. We'd love to have you. Okay. Um, what am I doing here? I'm preaching and you guys are here to listen. I know you're out there. I can see you. I can't really see you, but the government can. All right. Let's, uh, <laughs> all right. Let's uh, pray for this message. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you today in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active, that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, we pray that this word would speak directly to our hearts and directly to our situation. God, we ask for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be in 2 Samuel 21 this morning. Uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, that's what we do. Go through the Bible, and so we're in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 21, starting verse 1, it says, Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. The children of Israel had sworn protection to them, but Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. Therefore, David said to the Gibeonites, what shall I do for you? And with what shall I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said to him, we will have no silver or gold from Saul or from his house, nor shall you kill any man in Israel for us. So he said, whatever you say, I will do for you. Then he answered the king, as for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of Israel, Let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us, and we will hang them before the Lord and Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord chose. And the king said, I will give them. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan and the son of Saul. So the king took Armani and Mephibosheth, the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, whom she bore, excuse me, whom she bore to Saul, and the five sons of Michal, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Mahathalite. Man, these names. And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they fell, all seven together, and they were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days in the beginning of of barley harvest. Now Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock. 
from the beginning of harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day or nor the beasts of the field by night. And David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, the concubine of Saul, had done. But David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the street of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung them up, and the Philistines had struck down Saul and Gilboa. So he brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. They buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin and Zelah, in the tomb of Kish, his father. So they performed all that the king commanded, and after that, God heeded the prayer for the land. Whew, man. I like to read the whole entire scripture because I think it's important. I think the public reading of scripture is part of the history and who we are as Christian people. And I think it's good for us to, uh, to read scripture. Sometimes it's a little bit long, but that's fine. Uh, if you had somewhere else to be, you wouldn't be here listening. And so I think it's good to listen. Um, I also think it's good that after we read it, I usually try to explain it because even when I'm reading my Bible, uh, sometimes my mind wanders. And if I'm sitting listening to someone preach, my mind really wanders. And so uh, I always like to just kind of give you the, the boiled down version. And so here's the boiled down version of this story. The, there's a famine in the land of Israel. And uh, so, uh, David is trying to figure out why, why is there a famine? And so the Gibeonites come up and they say, Hey, you know, Saul dealt with us poorly. Uh, and he wasn't supposed to do that. Saul was supposed to treat the Gibeonites well, and he treated them poorly. And so David says, okay, so how do we make it right? And he kind of thinks like, okay, maybe the famines because we uh, didn't treat the Gibeonites well. So what do you want me to do? You want silver, you want gold. And the Gibeonites go, I'll give us seven descendants of Saul so we can kill him and that'll make it right. And David's like, okay. And so he gives them these seven guys. They kill the seven guys. And then there's this lady that comes and covers them. Um, and then David goes and he gets the bones of Saul and then he gets the bones of these guys and then he buries the bones. And then after that, the famine is lifted in the land. Now, <laughs> being a Bible preacher is very interesting in that when you go and you read through the Bible, you have to kind of like pull things out and say like, what does this mean? And what do we talk about? Now, there's many different directions that we could go in this sermon. Um, and so what I do is I pray and I say, Lord, what, what do you want me to talk about? What do you want me to bring out of the scripture? Because there's some directions this scripture could have gone. One of which is this idea of, of, of the, the sins of Saul coming back to visit long after he's dead and that the, the covenant of, of that Saul was supposed to keep with uh, the Gibeonites still needed to be kept and it wasn't kept. And so now there had to be blood atonement for it. And, and, and that really wasn't the direction where I felt like we were going this morning. Uh, the, the direction that I felt like the Lord really was pulling me and I could not get away from. And I, and I literally, I kid you not, I typically read a scripture probably 30 to 40 times. And, and I just ask, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? What do you want me to talk about? Because I don't want to talk about what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what the Lord wants me to talk about. Um, and, and what the Lord really brought to me this week was this idea of burying the bones, burying the bones, because I, I think it's such a, a, an interesting part of the story that really the writer of Second Samuel doesn't really expound on, which makes me believe it's something that we should expound on and that we should talk a little bit more about, that God has something that he wants to talk to us about. Because why bury the bones? 
Why, why is this part of the story? What, what, why, why honor the dead? Why is this even included in the scriptures? Because there's nothing that's included that's just benign. It's not like, oh, and then he buried the bones. Like that's, that's just not how it is. It's in there for a reason. It's meant to speak something to us. And so we're going to pause and we're going we're, we're gonna to rest here for a few moments while we're here together and realize what is God speaking this? What is God speaking to us through these scriptures? And here's, here's what I got is that David was not going to let circumstances change who he is. Uh, given the circumstances of Saul going against the Gibeonites, given the circumstances of having to offer up seven uh, to be killed, to appease the Gibeonites, um, David in the midst of it says, I'm going to bury the bones of Saul the king. I'm going to bury the bones of these seven descendants that were killed uh, to, to make this thing right because it's the right thing to do. And, and, and no one else may understand it, but I'm going to be who I am. That's what David was going to do. David had already decided way back in 1 Samuel 26 that he was going to honor Saul, that he was going to honor God, and that this is just a continuation of that. Now, I always have to say, David was not a perfect man. He didn't live a perfect life. But what we read from David's life, we can always grab from and say, okay, how can we apply this to our own life? And what we can apply today is that David did not let circumstances change who he was. He wasn't going to dishonor Saul, even though other people dishonored Saul. God had chosen Saul and God had chosen David. And David was going to come alongside with what God was doing and not live for himself. In years, this is years after Saul was decapitated, burned, and buried with his sons at Jabesh. David went and got his bones. He took the bones of his descendants and he took them to uh, the land of Benjamin where uh, uh, Kish, who was Saul's father, had a grave and he ceremoniously buried all of the bones of the family together. Why? Why did he do this? Why? Because I believe that David wanted to do what is right. I believe that David wanted to do what was right. It was right to bury these bones for a few reasons. One, that it, it brought a, pop, a proper burial to Saul and his descendants, which was the right thing to do. But it also brought peace into Israel, that no longer were the Gibeonites upset with Israel, no longer was the famine going to be in Israel, all because David was willing to be obedient and go and bury these bones. It was right. It honored Saul. It brought him to his rightful resting place with his father. And I, and I believe the heart of David comes out in this act where he says, you know what? No one else is going to bury these bones, but I will. And, and you read this story and no one directly tells David to do it. God doesn't tell him to do it. No one's asking him to do it. But David says, do you know what? I'm going to bury these bones. And even though someone is going to say something about me, someone's going to think something about me, that's fine. I'm going to bury the bones and do the right thing. Even though no one else will, I will. I will bury the bones. Amen. It's the right and honorable thing to do to bury these bones. Even when those around me don't understand it, even if other people <clears throat> think what I'm doing is odd, I will do it because I'm a man that follows Yahweh. I will do it for God and him alone. I won't, I won't wait for someone else to show me. I won't wait for someone else to do, tell me to do it. I am going to do it to the Lord because I know that it's the right thing to do. James 4.17 says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. 
And if you're watching this this morning, I want you to hear the word of the Lord this morning is that sometimes when you do the right thing, it's for an audience of one. It's included in the scriptures that David buried the bones. It doesn't explain why he buried the bones. We have to kind of pull out and and try to understand why, but he was not doing it so he could get written in the scriptures. He was doing it because he was going to honor God because it was the right thing to do. And when you do the right thing, you have to do it as unto the Lord, realizing that no one else may see it. No one else may understand it, but you're doing it because God told you to do it. Again, we're talking about specific story with specific bones, but the connection I'm trying to make with you this morning that are watching this sermon is that there are figurative spiritual bones that you need to bury in your life. There are things that God has asked you to do that you are supposed to be doing. And when you bury those bones in your life, you have to understand that no one else may understand it. No one else may see it, but you're doing it unto the Lord. You're doing it to him. Do you desire righteousness in your life only when other people are watching or do you live unto the Lord? What, what bones in your life do you need to bury? What, and again, I'm going to be ambiguous this morning because many of you are going to listen to this and say, well, what does he mean by bones? The Holy Spirit is speaking directly to you this morning and letting you know what bones you need to bury. He's telling you what things that you need to do and what things that you need to change. But I'm not going to tell you those things because I want the Holy Spirit to tell you those things. Sure, David had to bury little literal bones. And, and, and you think about this. In, if you go back to 1 Samuel 31, it talks about Saul's death. And when Saul died, he was decapitated, burned, and buried. And then this scripture says that, that David went and got the bones of Saul. And, and, and we read a scripture like that and we say, oh, uh, uh, David went and got the bones of Saul. But it's so much more than merely like, hey, he went and got the bones. He had to go back to the place where Saul's burned, decapitated body had been buried in the earth and then dig the earth up and take those bones and bring them back. It's, it's not some, like we, we read things in a very static sense, but if you really think about it in the macabre sense that it is like, he's literally pulling back the earth and finding femurs and ribs and his skull. And, and, and he's grabbing up these dirty bones. I don't even know if there's still flesh on the bones or, or how bad of a situation that they're in, but he literally had to go and dig up the bones by himself. If you're going to do the right thing, it's going to be messy and you won't want to do it. That's just the reality. I, I can't think that David would say like, oh, this sounds fantastic. Let me go and dig up these bones. That sounds like a great thing. I'd love to smell the remnants of rotting flesh. I would love to, to, to dig up somebody's old bones. But no, David did it even though it was going to be messy and nasty and rotting and stinky because it was a right thing. And I get it, friend. It's hard being a Christian. It's hard doing the right thing. And, and, and if it's if anybody that says to me, it's easy being a Christian is not trying that hard. Really, because for me, as I'm serving the Lord, it, it's, it's difficult. It's hard to be faithful um, just because you're surrounded by the world and you're surrounded by the flesh and you're surrounded by all these other things and things that are trying to pull you in a different direction. Uh, tomorrow, August 10th, 1990, is my 30-year anniversary of being a Christian. It was the day I gave my life to Jesus when I was 15 years old. Tomorrow's my 30-year spiritual anniversary. 
And in those 30 years, I will tell you that it has been hard being a Christian sometimes. The, the scripture says in 2 Peter 2.21, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. And, and for me as a Christian, I will say that sometimes I feel like it would be easier for me to just not have known uh, right from wrong. There's some scriptures I wish that I wouldn't have read. There's some sermons that I wish I hadn't have heard. <laughs> because sometimes as I've been a Christian, I just wish I could get one day off a year. Just one day off. I don't, I don't need a lot of days. You know, there's a lot of holy days in the Old Testament. You know, the day of atonement and days of jubilee. I wish God would have included a day of retribution. Like, I, I wish that that would have been something he put in there where once a year, you just get one day and you can go be fleshly and give people the retribution that you think that they deserve. Um, let it be in the summer. So it's a good long day. Uh, you know, get up early, stay late and make a list. I'd, I'd only make right turns as I was driving my way. So it'd be very small concentric circles. Um, I just, just one day. <laughs> I can even do one day every seven years. Um, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't have any days of retribution. The, the Bible is, talks about love and peace and kindness and forgiveness and service, all the Christian virtues that we live out on a daily basis. But it's hard to live those things out all the time when you live in a fallen world. Uh, oftentimes, and, and if this would be the moment of my sermon, if the room was full of people, I would say, can I get an amen? But for the handful of you that are here, can I get an Amen. amen. Thank you. All right, good. The five people that are here say yes. So that's fantastic. Um, Cause it's, it's hard, but Jesus said in John 15, 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. And then he says in John 13, 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And I will tell you, you will be blessed if you do the right thing. You just will. It may not seem like you're going to get a blessing right now, but I will tell you that there will be a time when you will do the right thing and you may not understand why you're doing it, but you will do it and you will be faithful and God will bless you for it. Amen. I can't describe to you the amount of private conversations and actions that I've done in my life that no one will ever know about. Times when I've asked for forgiveness or I've ministered forgiveness or I've served someone or I've given something to somebody and no one knows it except for the Lord. And I'm not going to share them with you because it's none of your business. But I share to you knowing that you have the same experience that if you do the right thing, God will see it and God will bless it. Amen. God will bless it. In Luke chapter 12, verse 47 and 48, it says, And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with a few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him, they will ask the more. We're asked a lot as Christians. We're held responsible for a lot of things. And part of that is doing things that we know are right, that God asks us to do, whether or not anybody else understands it or knows it. If you know you're supposed to bury the bones, bury the bones in Jesus name. Here's the second part of it is that you have to bury the bones in faith. 
You can't just bury the bones as unto the Lord. When you actually do the act of burying the bones, it's a faithful act because you have to believe that God is going to do something with what you are doing. And and let, stick with me. Let me explain because there's a handful of bone stories in the Bible. And this is just one of them. Many of you have probably read in the book of Ezekiel where God said to Ezekiel, go down and speak to these dry bones. Many of you probably remember Joseph in Genesis chapter 50 when he spoke to his brethren and he said, when I die, this is what I want you to do with my bones. Um, that story of, jo- of Joseph is actually very interesting. And, and, and the connection I want to make this morning is this, is that Joseph was going to die and he told his brethren, he said, I want, there's something very specific that I want you to do with my bones. At the time they were in Egypt, the nation of Israel was in bondage and he spoke to his brethren and he said, I want you to take my bones and I want you to carry them to Canaan. I want you to carry them to the promised land. And at the time the brothers heard this from Joseph, they probably wondered, why is it that you want me to carry your bones? Why is this? Hebrews eleven twenty two. by faith, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. See, when Joseph spoke about his bones and he said, I want you to do something with my bones, Joseph knew that even though he was dead and dying, his bones would go forward to the, to the promised land, the, 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 the area of Canaan, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, even though he wasn't going to see it in his lifetime, even though his brothers weren't going to see it in their lifetime, it would take 400 years for it to come to pass what he was doing with his bones. But by faith, he did what he knew was right to say, I want you to take these bones, carry with you, carry them with you through the wilderness and hold on to them until you can put them in a permanent resting place inside of the promised land. And 400 years from now, my bones are going to speak to the nation of Israel and say, even though you've been in bondage, you have been set free and now you live in the promised land. But he didn't know that at the time. He didn't know that's what his bones were going to speak. He didn't know that's what his bones were going to do. But by faith, he said to his brothers, do this with my bones and God will do something with them. I don't know, but I have faith to know that God knows. And we can't, we can't under, uh, under report the significance of bones in this story. These aren't just arbitrary stories where it's like, yeah, he went down, he got the bones, and then he went the bones, and then he went all the way over on the other side of the nation of Israel in the land of Benjamin, and then he buried the bones, and then they moved on. Like, it's, it's, it's not just an arbitrary story. It means something. When, when Ezekiel spoke to bones, he said to these bones, you won't always be dead, you will live, and the bones symbolized Israel. Joseph said to these bones in the future, these bones will no longer be in bondage. I don't want my bones resting in the land of bondage. I want my bones resting in the promised land. And I believe whether the Bible describes it or not, I believe that David buried Saul's bones in faith. I believe that he was being faithful and that God told him to do it and he was doing it whether he understood it or not because he knew in the same way that God did something with Joseph's bones that God would do something with Saul's bones. There's an element of faith here, for uh, folks. 
an element of expectancy, a sense that says, I don't know what God is going to do, but he's going to do something. I don't understand what it is, but God understands somehow these bones will speak. Maybe, maybe the bones are just speaking to us today, if only for this sermon today. And God did something with Joseph's bones and the promise of deliverance from Egypt to Canaan. And God will do something here with Saul's bones. See, we as Christian people, we bury our dead. That's what we do. Me, for, for, for one, I do not want to be cremated. I think the cremating is a pagan practice. Uh, that's a different sermon altogether. Jesus went in a tomb. I want to go in a tomb. I want somewhere that people can go walk and look at my headstone and weep. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to just scatter it along some water. I, but, but if you look at Christian history, Christians don't burn their dead. They bury their dead. And they've done that even in the Old Testament. It was a Jewish custom even before Jesus. And there, there was an expectation, and, and, and the Bible speaks to it even, uh, I don't want to get ahead, but the Bible even speaks to it uh, of an expectation of something happening when you bury something. And so when we bury somebody in the ground, we do it with an expectation of the resurrection of the dead through Jesus Christ. And you may not know it at the time when you bury somebody, when that resurrection is going to happen, but you do it by faith. You just bury the bones. Why? Because we serve a God that resurrects dead things. We serve a God that resurrects dry bones. We serve a God that brings dead things to life. We are a resurrection believing people. And when something seems to be dead, we bury it and hope that God will do something with it one day. The bones of Joseph encouraged Israel that one day God would bring them to the promised land. And God did. It took 400 years for Joseph's bones to get to their resting place. And I'm sure during those hundreds of years, somebody probably was like, oh my gosh, what are we doing with these bones, man? It's been like 150 years. How much longer do we have to carry them? And some guy said, well, you know, my brother's brother's brother or my uncle's uncle's uncle's, my grandpa's grandpa's grandpa said, we're taking these bones when we get to the promised land. And a hundred years later, it'd been 250 years. And someone's like, why are we carrying these bones? What are we going to do with these things? Forget it, man. This is what we're doing. We're taking these bones. We're putting them in Canaan. That's how we're going to do it. Because someone you don't know told us that's what we're going to do. Because we know that God's going to do something with it. And we're going to do it by faith. And these bones, these bones that were buried, they moved the hand of God to end the famine. This whole story is just kind of all over the place. And you can't ascribe a bunch of meaning, but, but this is what you can see. Famine, bones buried, famine ends. But, but I don't believe that David knew that's what was going to happen. He was just like doing it in faith. I'm just going to bury the bones. We serve a God of the living, not of the dead. Luke 20, 38, for he is not the God of the dead, but of the living for all live to him. See, we believe that that which dies a natural death will have a spiritual resurrection and it will come back in God's time. You may not understand when or how or why. You may not even see it, but you believe it and know that God will resurrect dead things. And, and really, Christians live in so much fear of death when really we should be the ones that should be welcoming death and being excited about death. Do you believe what your Bible says? Do you believe that you'll be resurrected? The resurrected life is for eternity. This, this life is just for a moment. It's why I'm so surprised when Christians live in fear. We, we, we shouldn't live in fear. We should live in faith. We should welcome death. 
I want to read you all of 1 Corinthians 15, but I'm not. You, that's your homework. But 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through four, 54, it says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. If you had a a firm grasp of what it meant to die and a firm grasp of what it meant to be resurrected, you would not fear death. But you would also not fear burying those bones in your life and understanding God will resurrect whatever he needs to resurrect from these dead bones, but he will do it in his time, in his purpose, if he wants to do it. It's not my job to resurrect things. That's God's business. My job, be faithful by faith. Say, God, I'm burying this bone in my life. I'm putting it away. You can resurrect it when you want it resurrected. David may not have understood the resurrection fully. I I believe that he knew it somewhat. In Psalm 1610, he said, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Some people say that's prophetic about Jesus. I believe that it is, but I also believe that David had a working knowledge of understanding the resurrection, even though everybody around him may not have understood that at the time. And then I don't know the final disposition of Saul. I don't know if Saul made heaven or not. I don't know. But what I do know is that David, by faith, took the bones of his king from an unright, uh, un, un, uh, unrighteous burial place. They never should have burned Saul. They never should have buried him hastily as they did. But David, by faith, did the right thing, went and took his king's bones and said, I'm going to bury him ceremoniously and purposefully with an expectation by faith, believing that God is going to do something. If he didn't believe it, why did he move the bones? He could have just let them be. He could have said, well, God's going to do what he's got to do. God can resurrect Saul from underneath that uh, uh, tamarisk tree in Jabesh. Or maybe I want him to be with his family, with Kish, with all of his descendants, because I believe that God's going to do something there. David may not have explained it, but I believe that he believed it. Romans 4, 17, in the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Friend, this is the nature and character of our God. He raises dead things to life in his time. Our job is not to resurrect things. Our job is to bury things in faith and let the God who resurrects the dead bring those things to life in his time. Here's the last part of it. Is that we have to bury the bones because God will bless it. God will bless it. And, and, and I understand that I'm being very vague as far as these bones are concerned, but I, but I want to remind you guys is that I believe that the Holy Spirit is, is smarter than me and more powerful than me. And that if you are a Christian and as you're watching this, God is already speaking to you those things in your life that you need to bury. He's already saying, this is a bone, bury it. This is a bone by faith. I want you to give it to me by faith. And, and, and it's the right thing. And you just need to do the right thing. And the Holy Spirit is speaking that to you right now. But I want to tell you, if you do it, God will bless it. It wasn't until David did the right, honorable, unifying thing that God broke the famine in the land. 
It says in verse 14, and after that, God heeded the prayer for the land and all the different pieces coming together to make it right. They're not really fathomable. I spent far too much time studying out this scripture this week, trying to understand it. The death of the seven, the, the, the hanging of them, like it's just, I, I don't get it. It's not all clear, but here's what is clear. Famine, bones went in, famine stopped. That's very clear in this scripture. It wasn't until the bones went in the ground that the famine dropped. It says, and after that, God heeded the prayer for the land. And here's what I believe. I believe that sometimes God will allow things to continue long enough to get his outcomes. And I, I, I can't fully fathom it, but what I've seen in my own life, God will allow you to go through a famine until you bury the bones and then the famine breaks. But you don't know that burying the bones is what's going to break the famine, but you bury the bones and then God breaks the famine. And then you look back and you're like, wow, burying the bones is what broke the famine. I didn't realize that was going to do it. But because I did the right thing and I did it by faith, that God in his timing decided you've been going through this long enough and now I'm going to deliver you and you are going to know that it is I that did it because you were faithful. Did David know that burying the bones would end the famine? Probably not. He's just being faithful to what is in front of him, doing the right thing, doing the faithful thing, and then God shows up. Proverbs 28, 20, a faithful man will abound with blessings. That's what it says. It says a faithful man will abound with blessings. How great it is that we would be faithful and and see God be faithful on the other side. But we can't be faithful just expecting that God's going to always do what we want at the time we do it. I'm just merely saying that God always blesses faithfulness and it will happen in his timeline. And it's always a bending road. We see that with David and it's not always clear what God is doing with David's life. We, we have the ability to read something in a matter of minutes that transpires over the course of years. And be able to say like, oh yeah, you'd be faithful. And then God blesses it. But when David's in the midst of it, he doesn't know. He doesn't see it. He just expects it. And then it shows up on the right time on God's timing. When he's doing the right thing. When he's doing the faithful thing. And then God just shows up. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Will you be faithful and obedient to God? Because if you will, he will show up eventually and he will do great things. But sometimes you got to do the work and just bury the bones, man. No one else is going to do it for you. No one else was coming around with David and be like, hey man, let me help you carry these bones. Let me help you go bury these bones. No, he was just being faithful to what God had put in front of him. Let me show you what it says here in Matthew. Matthew 24. Don't turn off that TV yet. Don't do it. We're almost done. We're around in the corner. Stick with me. Matthew 24, 45 through 47. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all of his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and an hour when he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus talked a lot about faithfulness and what it produces. 
And it's very clear that faith is an, faithfulness is actionable. It's it, faithfulness. It, there is a resting and a waiting and a, 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 a putting it on God. But there's an also a part of where you need to put your hand to the plow. There's a time when God asks you to do specific things at specific times. And if you're not doing them, you're under dereliction of duty because you know what you need to be doing and you're not doing it. And how can we expect God to do great things if we're not uh, even going to do some work? There, there are bones that need to be buried. And it's a dirty, nasty, macabre uh, undertaking that we need to do. And, and God will bless it. God will bless the burying of the bones, but we have to actually do it. We can't say, well, you know, God will send somebody or God will rise. God is sending you. God is raising up you specifically for things in your life that you need to be doing or stop doing. There's a relationship that needs to be mended. There's a relationship that needs to be stopped, but you're not being faithful. You're somehow thinking that God's going to break these famines in your land when God is very specifically telling you to do specific things, but you refuse to do them. And I'm telling you today, friend, to begin to do them because faithfulness takes work. It takes putting your hand to the plow, doing what you're supposed to do. And when you do it, it's 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. And it means that you do what needs to be done, even though you don't know what is going to happen and what it's going to end up doing. You do the right thing. You do it in faith. And then you wait and see what God does. But I tell you that God is going to break the famines in your life. If you do the right thing, if you do it in faith and you just wait, when's the timeline? I don't know, man. Took Joseph's bones 400 years to come to fruition. I don't know how long it's going to take you, but I'm sure you can last longer than 40 hours. I'm sure of it. First Corinthians four, two, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. You think David knew what was going to happen or he was just being faithful. I believe that he was just being faithful, but God showed up. And so I leave you with this message today. And it's very simple. Be found being faithful and just bury the bones, man. Just bury the bones, do the right thing, do it in faith and watch what God will do. And he'll break those famines in your life. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, Let's end this service in prayer. Hey, if you're here this morning and you're watching and you're not a Christian, I always end my, ser- uh, end my sermons with asking if you'd like to become a Christian. It's really quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you're not. You've lived your life to Jesus if you haven't. It's really easy. You just cry out to God and you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and help me to not do those anymore and let me live for you. Turn away from your sins. Turn towards Jesus in faith. And he will receive you into his kingdom. And if you've never made that prayer before, just get on your knees and cry out to God and say, Lord, save me, forgive me of my sins. And he will answer you and he will do it. Father, we pray today that you would use this message in our hearts, God, that we would learn which bones we need to bury in our lives, God. Let us do the right thing. Let us do it by faith and watch you move, God. Father, we pray even this week that we'd be faithful to it. Let's do it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, we're not kicking off all the live stuff yet this week. We'll probably do it another week. We're just trying to let the get let the, the ick move out of the church a little bit. Um, and it's fine. We'll get back to it eventually. Hey, if you are watching and you're a normal person, especially guys, if you get my text and stuff, dude, shoot me a quick text, man. Let me know that you watched today because I miss you guys terribly. I can't wait for us to see each other once again. Uh, online is what it is. And I love the fact that you're being faithful to it. Um, and so we just got to stay connected. So I love you. 
have a great week. We will have service on Wednesday night, so tune in as well. Love you. Have a good day.